you see Jimmy Dunn? I, I did meet him once. You met Jimmy? Yeah. So like I had never um like I didn't know what he looked like or anything yeah. like that. So I'm just sitting there talking to Oscarson. He's like, Hey, how you doing? I was like, I'm Marcus Ogle. He's like, yeah, Jimmy Dunn. I was like, huh, all right, cool. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. Yeah. So yeah. Shirt, shirt untucked, you know. That oh, kind of geez, of course. Yeah. I, I, again, I had no clue who, like, what to expect to look for. Yeah. So I just didn't You'd know. expect very buttoned up. It's either yeah, one exactly. or the one or the other, like super yeah. buttoned up or like, hey, I run this place. I can do whatever the hell I want. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I met, met him uh, <laughs> and literally just shake of a hand. It wasn't like a, we didn't sit there and talk for a while or anything. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the finals of the 2022 NCAA Golf Championship. Make it memorable, gentlemen. What's up and welcome to another edition of the Golf Stat Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus L., and I'm joined this week by Carolyn Kupchik. Hey, what's up? And Ian Gilliam. That's me. We um I'm so I'm currently sitting in a hotel room after the conclusion of the Jackson T. Stevens Cup hosted at the very prestigious um, Seminole Golf Club. We're going to start with that event and then kind of wrap up another event as well as give some shout outs to to uh, some notable finishes around college golf. And again, another big week in college golf. You know, we do the processing of those events every you know Tuesday night, you know, is kind of the big night. I think when I ran through the events and 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 hit the process button or whatever to update our schedule i think the number was 81 so 81 events processed tuesday night wednesday morning quite a bit of college golf going on so let's let's start with jackson t stevens cup first off what a place it blew me away as far as far as like expectations go which is odd to say because typically the place gets hyped up so much right? You hear everything about Seminole and, and many other places, right? You hear so much about it and you're like, I can't be like, it can't be that good. Like maybe they're talking it up more because of the history than the golf course. But I, I kid you not, it might be one of the coolest golf courses I've ever seen. Um, I, I you know, obviously I, I didn't play the golf course and probably never will, but like, so I can't really speak from a playing standpoint about the architecture, but just kind of driving around the place, you know, I've heard that or people that have played it said it maybe it's not you know as difficult but the greens obviously are its defense i think one of the coolest things is the routing of the golf course like just driving around it literally all week and just how each hole kind of interconnects and intertwines with each other it, how they play up and down the boundary of the beach like that kind of it's it's a really cool golf course a lot of the water hazards you know typical Florida golf, you get these big hazards left to the fairway and they go all the way up the hole and that, and they're like, why is that there? This was not like that. Every water hazard or every, you know, every hazard was kind of just like unassuming, you know, like there's this hazard that just kind of runs down 12 and literally you could walk down the ferry fairway and it feels like you might step into it, you know, cause it's just like, you don't notice that it's there until you're down there. Like it's, it's really interesting. So anyways, that's my spiel on, on, on golf architecture for, for the week. Um, so on so we had seven teams on the men's and women's sides as, as long uh, as well as um, individuals from HBCUs and service academies in the stroke play portion. We had uh, kind of blowouts, if you will, with Wake Forest winning on the women's side um, and um, and North Carolina winning on the men's side with a very impressive. Let me get that number real quick because it's a it's a big number. Yeah, they won they won at 43 under par through three. And it's uh, for 54 holes, which again, a lot under par, uh, especially, especially at a place like Seminole. Um, 
And then you flip it around to match play, which we just concluded here on again, we're recording on a Wednesday, flip it around to match play. Stanford gets their revenge, I guess, if you will, and beats uh, Wake Forest in match play. I believe they won four of the five matches, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they North did. Car- yeah, and then North Carolina takes care of business down the stretch um, against Florida State, who played really well this week, which um, the way those matches were going, too, it really wasn't, you know, in North Carolina's control for the entire time. There were some really close matches down the stretch. So that that one was a very competitive match. Any, any thoughts or takeaways from from what we saw this week? You know, obviously there's some big themes, but what, what do we want to talk about first? I think the first thing, like you said, I, I was tuning in to the coverage on golf channel as well as on our site, just it came down to that last match. And then Ryan Burnett just kind of blew it out of the water there. A little finish five and three. I was hoping for something a little bit, you know, get it to 18, you know, like a couple of those other matches, like the David Ford and Luke Clanton match, but um, a great finish nonetheless. And the team that not that we had question marks about in terms of a poor, I'm putting air quotes around this poor performance at Olympia fields, uh, but just to battle back and win, you know, they win match play here. Um, UNC does crushes it in stroke play and put on two back-to-back really good performances. So um, they're putting it all together towards the end of the fall and doing exactly what you thought they would, Marcus, uh, sure, a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, and, and and again, when we say back-to-back, they, they're coming off a pretty big win at Ben Hogan as well. So this this is a good follow-up. What else? Carolyn, you got any impressions? It could be men's side, women's side, either one. Um. I mean, not really. Obviously, Stanford can't win them all, at least in stroke play. So, you know, it was nice to see Wake Forest coming in there, beating them by a little bit. But then obviously they couldn't let them win the whole thing outright and came back and, and won that match play, which it's they they I mean, it kind of seemed like some of them lasted for a while. Sure. Right. The one ups, yeah. one ups. But yeah, uh, I mean, Stanford pretty dominant in that match play. So. so, so let me ask you this. This has been an interesting question, and we talked about a little, a lot about it on site, actually, and and I think it kind of um, came up as well after SEC match play. Um, so, in your opinion, both who who won this event? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. That's yeah. tough. Well, okay. There's I more stroke play I, than I, there is. I guess I was gonna have to look at it like if you look at from our side, from a ranking side, the stroke play winner wins because yeah. you get more head-to-head wins rather than just one round of match play one. Now that head-to-head win can be very big. Look at Tennessee sure. beating Vanderbilt. That can be a big win down the road. But I think in the grand scheme of things, when we look at it from like our vantage point, I would say stroke play. But if you're giving out the trophy to a match play mm-hmm. champion, then I guess yeah. in that sense, the word they win. So I guess you just have to look at it from two different angles. I'm looking at it from like, what we do on a day-to-day basis, but like these, somebody's taking home the trophy and that constitutes a winner, I guess I would say. And I think too, it's kind of like the, you could almost see the stroke play because obviously the match play is part of this tournament. Like that is like the stroke, isn't the end of it. You still have to come back and play the match play. It's almost like the stroke play is the quarterfinals or like that mm. pre like, Hey, you're just getting your seating for this now match play that you're going to have to actually like win it. But would now this you were there you were there the last two years do you think that they should end up playing two rounds that day and have it actually be semifinals and then a final between those four seeds or do you just want to keep it the one i always found that interesting same with sec match play everybody plays one round but there's really only one championship the other side's just playing match play to play match play that's a good question yeah since there's only four teams i'm like you start early enough yeah probably get both in it's not obviously all going to be on the golf channel but Sure. I just found that interesting, especially with SEC match play too. Like, 
you've got all the teams there, but really only one of those matches really matters in terms of who's taking home a trophy. I think, yes, that would be ideal. I, I And honestly, I think it would, it would, I don't know about from a golf channel standpoint, because I don't know if they would televise the morning match. That's what I'm saying. It probably wouldn't be on there with the coverage window, but like, but I, I think, think you could probably, it could still doable is what. Yeah. I think know. it would inv- in, uh, um, provide more intrigue to do like a, yeah, like a uh, semifinal and then final matches. Yeah. I think you're the only thing you would run into is um it's a lot of golf and yeah, you know, it's a lot three of golf days. three days. Yeah. yeah. And I can't remember how long the SEC match play one was, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a three day event too, mm-hmm. if, if not less. But like they're already trying to play 36 on a Monday, um, which they didn't finish. They pace of play was great, but still, you know, just couldn't darkness finish before darkness. And, yeah. and then they're getting, you know, then they have um the restart on Tuesday. Then you ask him to play 36 again on Wednesday in a regular season event. I no, think yeah, I, I was just yeah. more just a conversation starter about, I, no, you know, think, it adds to that intrigue of that where it's it feels like you're, you know, you're playing a national championship event. You're going 36 on a day in match play. You know, it just gives that vibe to it is my, yeah, more where I, I was going. I guess I, w- I would be in favor of. I would be if you shorten the stroke play event, stroke play portion of 36. Cause because here's cause I, yeah. I let, let's put it this way. I think if you if you did have a semifinal and final, I think it would it would in people's mind, maybe it would make more sense to have we would all agree probably more that like the winner of the event was the match play winner. Yes. When you make absolutely. it like an actual bracket. Absolutely. Even if it's just a semifinal final. But mm-hmm. I think in order to do that, you have to have you have to also diminish the stroke play. Right. So like yep. if you only play one round of stroke play, or if you just play, you know, let's, let's do a 36 whole day on Monday, whatever we don't finish, we finish in the morning on Tuesday, then you're done by 10 a, you know, 10 a.m. like we said. All right. Now yep. let's play a semifinal match in the afternoon. That's perfectly in your coverage window. Then we'll play the finals on on Wednesday, also in the coverage window. You see what I'm saying? Like that may be yeah. a way to do it, but I, yeah, I I think it's I think it's something to kick around, especially if like the match play is what they're they're latching onto. I I just find it interesting because because you you know you're you're absolutely right that um from a big picture stand, and this is why the national championship is so different because yes, we still put out a final ranking, but the the national championship I don't think people care about rankings past regional selections really, right? Other than you know coaches bonuses and stuff like that, right? Like at that point, you're really just focused on getting the trophy. I don't think that's necessarily everybody's focus at this point in the year, right? So the stroke play portion, I think, does mean a little bit more, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Um, it, it does have a bigger impact on rankings because you are getting more head-to-head wins, um, so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting I, – I still lean towards whatever event you show up to, you got to win the entire format of the event. You know, if there's match play at the end and you don't come out victorious on the match play, you didn't win the event. Simple as that. Um, so uh, let's let's uh, let's let's talk about the 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 early season match that was Wake Forest versus Stanford on the women's side. So we'll we'll get into this a little bit later on in the show as well, or in the episode as well about you know Wake Forest is now the number one team in the country on the women's side, right? Which a lot of us expected Stanford. I don't think there's really any disagreement that they sh- should be. I mean, they should be the number one team in the country at this point, honestly. Um, with with the performance performances that they that they put on, I just went on the record. I was right. That's it. You you were right for now. Okay, that's yeah. Fine. I was gonna say it's not gonna stay that way for long. Okay. <laughs> you were right for now. That one, no. What? Let me let me just take a look at this ranking real quick. I think and like I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. They oh are uh, two sixty six oh, oh, for two sixty six this season. <laughs> uh, they don't have a loss, so they don't, continue okay. though. Let's clarify. Those are comparative. Well, comparative yeah. wins. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But anyway, I'm just saying. 
<laughs> for now. But anyways, um, what what did you think of, of it? What what were you all excited? It was it was kind of fun. Like just the buzz on site was pretty interesting because you know, re- regardless of rankings, just if you're looking at you know the two best teams in the country, um it's fun to get that early in the year because it's it's i don't want to say rare because a lot of these teams play in good events where they end up playing against each other frequently but to see a match against arguably the two best teams who we can say or hope to say that they can meet again in the spring like it's fun to watch that in october and then compare you know come spring where they where they've come since then so um definitely entertaining for early in the year like you said still a long season to go but two really 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 good teams man it's yeah it's crazy yeah this was definitely our only chance to see them in match play before champion oh 100 you know I, mean? like, I was more just saying in stroke play like they play yeah, get, they sure. play events to get they can they can play events against each other throughout the season and they and they have and um but yeah this was cool to see especially early on so yeah yeah three wins also stan uh uh rose isn't ranked number one either yes the, listen <laughs> okay and we'll again we'll we'll get to yeah, this no, when we get to the rankings portion but they're the individual rankings first first time we publish them is always and that's not to say rank or row should be number one but when you just kind of go down the list across all divisions sometimes it can be a little wonky okay so we'll hold title on that for a second yeah so it, it was you know on site we were kind of comparing this to like when georgia and alabama play each other in football in the regular season you know what I mean? It's like we yeah. know they're going to play again at some point. You know they're going to play be... again in the conference championship. Now, yeah, well, now obviously college... they're not in the same conference, but you know what right. I mean. Like exactly. in some sort of higher stakes game, yeah, or so event. It's almost like a preview. I, I, I um, so yeah, it, it was it was fun on site to have to to see that happen. Obviously, I don't know if you can call it a dominating win for Stanford, but you know, four or five points. Mm-hmm. Um, but many of them did kind of come down to the end there. Um, and, and sometimes you just run out of steam. So no, that, that was fun. Um, I, I also thought it was important for UNC to win their match and it seems small, but again, I, I think, and we've talked about a little bit before the knock so far is that they have not won any match play in the national championship, right? They've mm-hmm. been knocked out in that first round each year. Um, so for them it's to even of, that little bit of validation, like we sure. spoke about, like, yeah, we can do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. that has to be there somewhere that confidence has to be there in some you know small amount going in even if it's the smallest amount going into match play and going into the postseason next year so yeah just just getting that little bit of confidence boost to say okay we've got a match play win under our belt um in a, in a pretty big time event i think that can only help um help the confidence moving forward um so yeah and any other thoughts on jackson t stevens cup before we move on i don't think i really have anything Nah, <laughs> we'll talk about it on the rankings part. South Carolina finished fourth. Uh, did you see where they're ranked? Second, right? Or uh, oh, I know. Oh, yeah, fourth. fourth. Hannah Are Darling is second, right? Yeah, they've they've literally been ranked fourth at the end of the season, like the past three years. Like it's li- it's literally what I've ex- what I've been talking about. It's like very consistent, kind of, but they don't win. <laughs> I'm whispering because I don't want the recording to pick this up, but it's gonna pick it up. We're gonna I know. have to cut it. We <laughs> might as well just That's say how recording work. Say with your chest, Marcus. <laughs> but like, it, I believe the, the text you sent. Um, I can't. I can't remember what you said. You said something along the lines of overrated. I can't remember. It was something like that. They, they, they you said it was like Fugazi or something like that. You said it's all a lie. Yeah, it's it, fraudulent. <laughs> yes, fraudulent. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. They schedule hard. They play well in, in big events. Um, 
but rarely come out on top. All right, so let's go ahead and hop over to an uh, event that uh, was in Ian's backyard again. We sent we sent Ian down the road maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I think you said it was an hour. Uh, that uh, was a traffic. I was coming. Oh, okay. It took me like an hour and a half to get back in traffic. It's only like 20 miles, a uh, little more than 20 miles from me uh, out in the suburbs. <laughs> okay. But it, it did take a while to get back to the city. But so uh, Ian, Yeah, Ian, give us a little recap of, of, of the happenings at uh, – this is the Illini Women's Invitational at Medina. This is a, an event we go to. Man, it's it's. I think we've been just about every year that I've been on staff. So yeah, I think this is. They said the fifth um, time right. they've had it, fourth or fifth, because COVID obviously wasn't didn't yeah. happen in twenty in twenty twenty. But um, yeah, it was a great event and a good and a good solid field too. Uh, they played this the number two course of Medina, so number three is where they hosted the Ryder Cup and where they're going to host the Presidents Cup in twenty six. Which actually okay. it's going completely under construction in the next like few months this is the really? end of the end of this season yeah it's going to be shut down for a year and a half they're redoing the whole thing um adding some cool features that i don't think i'm allowed to say i don't know but they showed okay. me some renderings of everything and it looks incredible so the 26 president's cup is going to be awesome um that'll take about a year and a half for them to redo pretty much everything on the back nine is going to be the big changes they're doing some new bunkering and um some new hazards on the front but the back nine is going to have a full um redesign which is going to be great but yeah they played the number two course there um it's a, gr- a great track and honestly it was the on monday was like the most perfect playing okay. conditions that you can have in chicago uh and i mean that like even in the summer like it was 65 to 70 degrees no wind sunny beautiful um the greens, it had, it had rained a few days before, so the greens were soft. Like, girls were just tearing it up, especially in that second round um, on Monday afternoon. Um, and, like, you, you saw the scores. I mean, San Jose State had a pretty healthy lead. They were rolling after that final – after that second round on Monday. And then Tuesday it got – I won't say it got extremely difficult, but it got very windy and started to rain towards the end of the round. And the girls got – it was a shotgun start. They got – probably 16 of their holes in before the rain started coming down. Okay. Uh, but man, Kentucky just played, <laughs> they played lights out um, okay. on Tuesday, just really um, kind of separated themselves and Auburn was right behind them. They just kind of started a little bit. They had a, you know, a little bit farther behind them on the leaderboard, but um, Jensen Castle played really well. And, um, you know, former USAM champ, you know, kind of led Kentucky into, you know, the lead down the stretch. And then um, Jenny Bay ended up winning the, individual title she birdied i think three of her final four holes which would be like in the rain and in the wind to take a two-shot lead over crystal wang from illinois who finished second um but she played really well too and it was just a really fun event it's and we've had this conversation multiple times before is it fun to watch players and teams shoot 40 under par like is that or 34 under par is that fun to watch and like for me being there it was fun to watch them go you know, back and forth on birdies, because like I said, Crystal and Jenny were battling it out down the stretch for that individual title yeah. and for Jenny to go birdie, birdie, par birdie to finish or whatever it was like, yeah. that's exciting golf to me in my mind. And that was fun to watch, especially as the conditions started to get worse and watch the wind blow and the rain come in. It was, it was fun to watch that finish that way. So um, again, some really, some other really good teams, Alabama kind of struggled on the last day, Oklahoma state finished middle of the pack, but uh, a great event nonetheless and, and great staff there great hosts and uh, yeah it was a fun one for sure yeah it's definitely always a good one I, I i wonder if this can kind of be a launching pad for kentucky i believe back back when i had a conversation with um with woodard with adam woodard mm-hmm. like, off week this is a team that he kind of had his eyes on um yeah. you know because obviously jensen castle but i think he the name he also mentioned was i think it's laney fry laney, laney fry yeah laney fry laney fry okay mm-hmm. again she finished the- t7 to under par i mean they had they had three girls in the top 11. 
Right. And that yeah, was so, three of your five finishing, you know, top 11. It's not a bad day at the office. Right. So, yeah. So, so that final round comeback, um, again, maybe using as a launching pad. San Jose State is a team that, that I am interested in. They had a really hot year last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've necessarily found as much success early as they did kind of during spring last year. That's not to say that they aren't a good team or anything like that, but I'm kind of looking to see um, if they're going to continue this, the success to the same level that they had last year um, and, and kind of looking for them to, 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 to get it done as well. So all, all that to say was kind of, was kind of watching this one down the stretch to see if San Jose state would hold off uh, Kentucky to get that win. So, but anyways, uh, and then I'll give one shout out to Antonia Malate. She shot a 64, which is the women's what? course, the women's course record on course number two at Medina. So um, broke that record. Uh, I think the men's course record there is, is 62, okay. uh, but a 64 from her. Like I said, it was literally the most perfect scoring conditions you can have okay. like in fall golf. I think in Chicago golf in general, because it just wasn't hot. It wasn't humid. Um, greens were soft. The girls were making birdies. So um, yeah, I made, I think it was seven or six birdies on the back nine. I think it was. So she was, she was lights out on the afternoon round on Monday. So congrats to her. Nice. All right. Again, we had a very busy week in college golf. So I do want to give just a couple shout outs, uh, to teams winning or teams finishes, um, uh, throughout the weekend and Monday, Tuesday in college golf. So Cincinnati men wins at the bank of Tennessee collegiate. This is a long standing event. Um, so Cincinnati, a team, I think, ranked 36th in the first rankings that, that were published. What I know is, you know, I've talked to their coach many a time, I think is a little bit more where they're hoping to be with their trajectory rankings-wise. So big win for them, kind of gets them in, in the right place. Uh, Kieran Van Wick as well took the individual title. One of the most underrated players to me in my in my estimation in D1 college golf. So good to see him uh, um, keep winning, I guess. Uh, UAB won the Carolina Cup. Uh, Wittenberg on the D3 level. Talk about holy stroke differential. Yeah. 47 <laughs> shot win at Wabash. Count it. 47. That's a lot of shots, folks. Yeah. So 47 shot win at Wabash. Congrats, congrats to Wittenberg as well. Uh, Kansas State wins at the Oregon State invite. It's their third win of the year in as many tries. Okay. I, I don't think it's a team we've mentioned yet so far. Uh, they won. So I, I believe it was Old Town, which Wake Forest hosts. Um, they won this one, and they've got one more. It's, I'm, it's, I can't remember what it is, but yeah, this is their they third have one. Their, they have their uh, own event. The oh, they won their own event. By, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so three wins. Okay, that's typically you know Wake Forest got three wins, Kansas State got three wins, right? Same thing. So, uh, congrats to them for getting getting their third win of the fall. Uh, Tennessee men stay hot, and they went at Purdue to follow SEC match play. It's it's more it's a more Midwest field. So again, I'm not going to say it's the who's who of college golf, but it is a really strong field, especially with big 10 teams and, and others. So Tennessee getting another win there uh, was one I wanted to shout out. And then Washington and Lee wins at Royal lakes, which is hosted by uh, Oglethorpe. One of the bigger D three events on the calendar where you get a lot of, a lot of crossover uh, at the D three level as well. So Washington and Lee wins there at Royal lakes um, on the women's side. It was a little bit lighter week, man. Again, looking at those tournament lists over the week, I think there were like 40 something events on the men's side and there may have been 25, 30 or so on the women's side. So a, a little bit lighter week on the women's side. I did want to shout out uh, UNC winning the Ivy league challenge, which was a pretty cool format. Um, we had been trying to figure out how we were actually going to like do it in our software this week, <laughs> but, but uh so they did. They played at Baltusrol, which again we talked. Yeah, to, we, yeah, we, yeah. Talked to, we talked about uh, Ohio State hosting at um, Muirfield, Muirfield and, and then, not being afraid to host at really cool venues. Yeah. 
let's throw Baltus Raw in there as a really cool venue to host, right? Absolutely. So they played both courses. I think it's upper and upper and lower. They did a stroke play, a 36 hole stroke play on Monday, and then they did a cool format on Tuesday where, you know, there's 60 players in the field, and they had uh, based on their leader uh, based on their, their leaderboard finish, the top 30 Ivy League finishers and the top 30 um, ACC finishers uh, individual wise, and then they faced off in in match play. So literally 30 singles matches on Tuesday. Uh, so that that was pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad they, they had that idea. I'm glad it went down. But anyway, and, and again, a lot of teams and players that don't get a chance to play against absolutely. each other. And so to see that it's it, at a course like Baltus is pretty cool. It's a freaking so. cool event. Like it was, yeah. that was a really cool thing to watch. So, yeah, UNC wins that one. Um, and then DBU stays hot. One of the national preview. Um, again, we talked about a national preview, I think, on the men's side of D3 last week. Very I would say similar here, but maybe not to the same extent. Like, for example, I, I don't think UND was in the field. I don't think Finley was in the field. So there are some national contenders. That yeah, the there. North Georgia hosts the Leanne Noble, which was another big event. So Anderson was there. Finley was gotcha. there. Lee was there. Columbus gotcha. Limestone, who was the national runner-up last year, too. So a couple of really solid D2 women's events this week. Yeah, yeah. So DBU stays hot to win there. Who, who, won, the, who won that one? Anderson yeah, did, and then Finley finished second. Gotcha. Um, yeah, followed by Lee, Columbus State, Limestone, uh, a lot of really good programs there too. So okay, so yeah, maybe maybe we need to put in an e- inquiry of why it's called the National Preview. <laughs> do we need to do we need to do we need to effort that one? Yeah, <laughs> just wondered. Not not a criticism. Just just curious. But anyways, so yeah, DB, DBU stays hot again. A team that we will probably be covering just about every week as they continue to uh, do set, what they do every year. Yeah, set set the trail <laughs> on fire in their revenge tour. Make it memorable, gentlemen. Team of the week. Who's got a nomination for team of the week? I'll just get mine out of the way right away because you already talked about them, but K-State was mine just yeah. because. <laughs> and Well, you already talked. I was going to like tell you, like, hey, shh. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> listen, you're taking – you're stealing it from me. Uh, no, that's just one, like – I don't want to – like, just a program that nobody like we like you said we haven't talked about them they're three for three and we haven't t- we haven't talked a lot about it but what they're okay. doing is pretty great to see them when those events they're ranked 18th in the first ranking of the year yeah. um the big 12 gets talked about a lot with top end teams texas tech ou oklahoma state baylor those teams and they're not one of them and so to see them and, and to see them kind of step up and now they get to play up with the big boys that have been there for you know texas tech's number one ou osu all those teams so um great for them Found the way, you know, three wins in a row, top 25 ranking. So great start to the season for them. So, okay. Kansas State on the board. Carolyn, what you got? Or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. They were also up really late last night when the rankings were posted because they posted Buddy, on they Twitter. were waiting. <laughs> oh, I know. They posted on Twitter. Like, that was the first notification I got on my phone last night was that they posted. I was like, you know what? I'm proud of them for what Yeah. They knew I, I, what was coming. They knew what was coming. Yeah. It's like, hey, we won three times. We better be up there, right? Exactly. Exactly. It was it was out there at 10 o'clock last night. So good on them. Um, Let's see. Who do I want to go with this where since you stole it from me? That's why you got to go first. I know I should have went first. He knew what he was doing. He was like, I didn't know. I didn't didn't think Carolyn would have K-State. I thought maybe Marcus, but I was like, oh, we already talked about them. So he probably doesn't. And then I was like, well, that's fine. (laughs) I'm two for two. I'm two for back-to-back week stealing team of the week. So I like that. That's fine. Um, Hmm. I am going to go. That 47-shot win keeps staring me in the face. Gosh, Yeah. (laughs) That 47-shot win. Do you want go, Carol? You can have it. You can have it. 
I will, I will, I will let you have it if you want that one. It's, it's fine. I can, okay, fine. I'll take it. I, again, the 47, again, being a team that you always see in the top 10, they're always there in the rankings. Grant, I know rankings don't mean everything, but it is nice to see a team just come out and and put blow it out old, of the water, you know? Yeah, put a good old Molly whopping on the competition. Yeah, like it's it, like they walked it in. Like they, after a while, it was just like, yeah, well, you know, we've got this. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, very impressive. Yeah. 47 shot win like, for Wabash. You know what? Cincinnati it is. I'm going Cincinnati men because, again, and I don't say this one's like personal or anything like that, but I, I think sometimes, I you know, I get questions from teams that um, it's it's almost like you're we relate this to college football or other college sports all the time. Right. Where like you get your non power fives and I, where that like, what do I have to do to get ranked this? Right. And, and Cincinnati has kind of been a team that's kind of been on me. That's been like, hey, what what else, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Um, and, you know, they're not a top 25 team at, at this point. Again, I think they're number 36 in the last uh, it, just on quick glance from last night. Um, but to win, win at the Bank of Tennessee, which is a good field, and then kind of start off their season more in the trajectory or in the range that they believe they should be. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Hopefully they can keep it up. Hopefully they can stay in that range, you know, because that did means for them, you know, a regional bid, you know, hopefully competing for a national championship at that point, which I think would be really cool for that program. So I'm I'm going to go with Cincinnati men. Okay. So we got, we got K-State men coming off of three wins in a row. We got Wittenberg men at the three, three level with a 47 shot win at Wabash. And then we're going to round it up with Cincinnati men this week for winning bank of Tennessee and also kind of coupling it with their ranking. Um, again, getting in that. Cause I mean, 36 is comfy. Like if you can stay there, that's comfy regional wise. So that that's that's good stuff. All right, we'll post that on Friday afternoon. Throw Don't drop little... below fifty. That's like the danger zone. That's where yeah, you that's start, when you're... You start trembling a little bit, yeah, like sweating that. a little bit. Come come, <laughs> you know, late March, early April. Ugh. that's when you're sweating it. That's I don't sure. envy that. Yeah, I don't exactly. either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So we'll post that on Friday afternoon, and we'll get that poll out and see who wins. Make it memorable, gentlemen. We posted our first NCAA ranking, player ranking, and team ranking on Tuesday night. Um, and then NAIA Junior College came out on Wednesday morning as well. So, of course, we're going to devote our middle segment to just ranking reactions and discussions. So just kind of go and click, quick glance at some teams we've talked about. We're going to start just because it's up. what's up on my page. Um, we'll start with D1 men. You know, we've got Texas Tech at number one. So Texas Tech's your, your number one team in the country. we got Illinois at number two. Vandy, who's been really hot at three. Arizona State, then Auburn. Carolina at six. North Carolina at six. Stanford, who's got a win at seven. Virginia has played really well. Ben James as well has played really well. So they're at eight. A&M, Florida down there at 12. Georgia Tech staying alive at 13. Oklahoma <laughs> at 15. Colorado State's got a couple of wins this year at 16. Um, and then there's your Kansas State at 18, na- reigning national championship, Texas at 21. Um, any any reactions or thoughts to to start D1? We can kind of go through. We can lump them together. Let, let me go through D1 women as well, and we can kind of lump just the D1 together. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a, a surprise, but Wake Forest is number one on the women's side. Um, again, I don't think they've lost yet this year. So, um, yeah, I think they're very deserving of that number one ranking. And then, of course, Stanford in at two, Mississippi State three. South Carolina at four, AM five, Oregon six. It's really it's really the 
the usual sus- suspects up there as far maybe not Mississippi State as much, but again, they deservingly they should be number three. Um, but kind of the usual suspects up there. Duke coming in at eight, Ole Miss seven, coming off of what's a couple years after a national championship here. Um, Virginia's played well. They're at 10, Arizona State 11. We can go on and on. Southern California at, at 14. From a D1 standpoint, any any thoughts or reactions? Anything surprise you this week? I asked you this last night, I guess. Um, Vanderbilt at three behind Illinois, does that – what are your thoughts on that in terms of from the analytical side from what they both put on this season? So, yeah, Illinois plays what looks like T-second at OFCC, which is a really strong field, and then they won at Folds of Honor. They have not played since then. Um, they go next week to Dayton's tournament, I'm pretty sure, and then finish at Iowa's. They do, which will be yeah. in Iowa's will be a really good field. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, and I, I say this all the time, and I try to urge coaches and players, whoever, to please don't overreact on the first ranking of the year. I, yeah, I, grain like, of salt is what I was we have. Saying. We have waited as long as we possibly could because I know everybody's itching for a ranking. So we, you know, we always go second week of second Tuesday of October, um, but it's it's not a perfect product yet just because there's still very little data in there. You know, it's so, so, so all that to say this, right. I'm not saying Illinois should be the second ranked team in the country, but I will say this, they've only got one loss, right? Because they're yeah. their, their worst finish is T2. That's why the ranking puts them there. It's, it's the same, you know, again, I you know, I was watching the, uh, the broadcast uh, for Stevens cup today. And I think it was Burko who was like, you know, Vanderbilt, North Carolina, you know, clearly the number one, two team in the country. You know, and then I look at our ranking and it's like, uh, it's not what it says, which again, yeah. that's not saying that we're correct, but I, I think it is important to understand there's a difference between, I think these two teams are the most talented or the best te- two teams in the country, as opposed to a computer ranking that kind of decides, Hey, based on who you have and who you have not beat, where should we slot you? That kind of thing. Right. So like, I think some would be shocked that Vanderbilt's not the number one team in the country because they've been really hot, but they also have a fifth place finish. Mm. Texas Tech and Illinois have uh, uh, less losses on the year than Vanderbilt, right? So that matters. Same thing for Carolina. Like, I, I, I can't remember what event it was, but they had an event where they finished more middle of the pack, right? Olympia feels they finished bottom third. Right. So yeah. that those losses do matter, right? We, we, can't, we can't move you to the number second spot because... The eye test looks good. Yeah, that's because exactly, Marcus yeah. loves your team, you know, mm-hmm. and loves the colors. Like, that, that's not how that works. So I think... I think it, you know, when we look at this first computer ranking, it may not be what you think it should be based on what talent they have on their roster or who's got this firepower and that. It simply is, hey, you know, we're, we it, it takes the the amount of losses and so on and so forth and wins and decides who's who's here. So I don't have any problems with Illinois at this point at number two, or at least no, I me I, neither. Yeah, or at least I think I, I was more asking because you know that's the public. Like you just said, Burko, Burko, and yeah. like I love Burko, and he said Illinois, or excuse me, Vanderbilt and North Carolina, two best teams in the country. It's like, well, there is more data than what has sure. been shown, you know, the last weeks. There is, you know, like I said, it's it's not a finished product by any means, but like North Carolina finishes bottom third at Olympia Fields. It's a really good field against a lot of teams that are in that top ranking. It's like if you lose a head-to-head win against them, like that's that's going to hurt you at some point exactly. in time. Right. And so it's like, yeah, they looked really good the last two weeks. Do not get me wrong, and they are going to be up at the top for the entire season. It's, it sure seems like, but like that stuff matters even in mid September. So right. Yeah. Um, any other surprises, Carolyn, anything, maybe even on the women's side, anything you noticed? No, I mean, obviously we kind of talked it a little bit in the beginning, but Stanford not being ranked number one, obviously wake forest having all those wins 
I guess my thing too is just, and I know we haven't talked about it very much, but how wins, losses, who you lost to in a different tournament that someone may else have won in a different tournament prior or whatever, how that all kind of goes into the rankings on here. Cause I know we get a lot of questions of like, well, why did, why am I ranked below this person when I beat them and you know, I beat them twice and it's like, okay, but you lost to someone that they beat three times or, or whatever it may sure. be. Yeah. So, so, so Carolyn's kind of referencing the common opponents filter. So, and again, we'll have a, an episode on this at some point where we go through it in depth. Um, but the first filter is just your head to heads, right? So I beat this team, blah, blah, blah. Then the next one is your common opponents. Okay. We haven't played each other or we have played each other, but we've all, we've also played this other team. I would say that this early in the season, it's it's interesting because you could almost make the case that, again, both aren't necessarily final because you wouldn't have a lot of common opponents if you've only played two events, mm-hmm. right? Or if you only played one event, that, especially from a player standpoint, right? There are some players that have only cracked one lineup, you know what I mean? Either, but they played well on that one lineup, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think keeping in mind the common opponents – this early in the year is very important because every little one at this point does matter. Same with your head to heads against, you know, the people you've actually played as we start to get into late. I wouldn't even say later in the fall, as we start to get into early spring, maybe towards March even um, is when that stuff kind of starts to even out because everybody's kind of played everybody. Like you've kind of seen who you're going to see at that point. You know what I mean? You've got 25 common opponents at that point, that kind of thing. So, so yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd say I have a surprise anywhere. I think it is, I don't know if it's encouraging maybe is the right word, but maybe I'm just kind of excited to see that the teams that maybe if you do, I, I don't get too caught up in like the order necessarily, mm-hmm. just, as long, just as long as I think the correct teams are up there, right? So I'm just kind of looking at this women's one and – Wake Forest, Stanford, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Oregon, Ole Miss, Duke, Texas. I'm looking at it like, yep, sounds about right. Yep. You, you know what I mean? In whatever order you want to put them is, is fine with me. You know, obviously there's different tiers here probably, right? Like you got the Wake Forest, Stanford tier. Then you probably got the Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas tier. That kind of thing, right? You can tier them if you want to. But like these to me seem like the teams that have kind of had the best season and kind of kind of same way on the men's side. Okay, are we going to go to D2? Because I guess speaking of that, like you just mentioning that of these are the teams that we typically see or that we expect to see on the D2 men, I guess I'm not seeing what I thought I would see for the most part. What did you expect to see? I don't know. Like obviously Barry, West Florida, Oklahoma, Christian, I think, unless I'm getting mixed up with the women's, but then like, I don't really wreck it. Like Simon Frazier, Western Washington, Sonoma state, even like Grand Valley or Carlos State University Pueblo like none of these at least I remember from last spring ever being up in this top 10 so I guess that's kind of I feel like North Georgia was up there Anderson was up there right I think I think it's important (laughs) so and again this is this is why we'll, we'll have that episode so again people be patient but d d2 especially even more right because because their conference or their their regionals are 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 regionalized they also do that regular season for the most part. Right. So like I'm going to have look. a lot of common opponents quick. They'll have cause... a lot of common opponents quick. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like, and, 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 and honestly, this is a typical complaint at the D two level is like, how come all the Florida teams are ranked really highly? 
right? And they always, well, you guys rank them this way. And, you know, they all just go play each other and then they all get ranked really high because they're the Florida teams. And it's like, that's ah, not really how it works, you know? But like, I wonder if that's kind of happening in different pockets so far early this season. So like, gotcha. if I take a look at... um Cause like on the women's side, you kind of see the teams that you typically saw last, sure. like in the yeah. spring last year. Yeah. So Western Washington to start the season here, they played the SMU Bishop Invitational and they're T one out of fourteen teams, so no losses there. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was the first round. They they were second out of fourteen teams at the SMU or S yeah SMU Bishop Invitational, and then they were first of seventeen teams at their uh at their own invite, which was on the twenty seventh. They have not played since then. Okay, so we're again, we're talking about number of losses. They've only got one loss on the year. Uh, let me see if I can go find who was the other one. Simon Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. So let me let me pop on the five Simon Fraser's real quick. You know, because again, that, that is I think I think it is kind of a common trend at the at the beginning of the year. It's like we're really just counting losses at, at this point in the year, because if you've only played twice and you're a good team, you're probably only going to have one or two. Right. As we get later in the year, everybody's got losses by that by spring. Right. So now I think the ranking does a better job of determining whether or not those losses were good or bad, you know, but this early in the season, it's really about like just who has the least amount of them. You know what I mean? So like yeah. if you and, and, and honestly, it's it's more obvious on the player side. So, for example, you know, I don't want to it's a numbers game now. It and really it is. really it's, judges it based on quality exactly. as the season goes on because exactly. more data is put in. So like so, for example, like if I just hop over to a player rank and, and I'm not saying that these players are not good, that is not what I'm doing. OK. But if you just hop over to like the men's, right? The number one player in the country is Ian Gilligan from Long Beach State. Okay. Not to be confused with Ian Gilliam. Dude, yeah, first time my, I saw my that, brother in I was arms. Like, wow. My brother in arms. I was like, wow, Ian. I'm a big Long job, Beach buddy. State guy now. Big Long Beach hey, State. Hey, if I can go out and shoot 67 like he did, I mean, listen, <laughs> I might I might move on from this podcast and go start playing more often. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got yeah. You see if you got any eligibility left. Okay, so again, I'm not looking at Ian Gilligan's schedule here. My 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 guess is going to be that he probably has played one or two events and he won that event. That's a lot of times what happens early on, right? They they crack the lineup once or twice, or they've only played a few events and they've won that event or maybe both events, right? And that's how they get ranked number one. Like you look at the players behind them: Gordon Sargent, Michael uh, uh, Thor. You got Dumont. De, I'm always going to mess up his name, so I'm not even going to try. Ben James, Callum Scott, Tobias. Call Johnson. him Adrian. Adrian. Okay, yeah. we're going to call him Adrian. <laughs> Adrian. That's what I'm calling. Love the love to get eight. I didn't um, think a Rocky reference would be. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, did not so think again, that you, was coming. You look at the players that that are behind him there. Again, a lot of people would be like, "Well, what's going? You know." What, why is he not, you know, how is Ian Gilligan number one? Again, without looking at his schedule, that's going to be my, my guess there is that the, there's only been a few events, right? Same thing if you look at, because I looked at this one this morning um, on the women's side. D1, again, we're just talking D1 women right now. Kayla Smith, UNC, she's the number one player in the country. Hannah Darling behind her, Rose Zhang behind her, Andrea Lignell, Rachel Keen, Julia Lopez Ramirez, all these players that we've constantly talked about and would expect to be the number one player in the country okay again not saying anything about Caleb but from a number standpoint the reason Kayla is there she's played one event and she's won that event right that's kind of how this works at the beginning of the year that's why we all always try to wait as long as we possibly can until we release that first ranking not necessarily to avoid things like this but it does kind of eliminate some of the questions you know what I mean because this kind of stuff will even itself out as as the year goes right yeah so um, that, I think that's a really, really good question, really important question. Let me look at Simon Fraser really quickly since I'm here. They finished, so they beat Western Washington at the at the St. Marshall Bishop 
St. Martin's Bishop Invitational. Okay. Who Western Washington is your number one team, right? They finished fourth at Western Washington's event. And then they finished second at Chico state wildcat. So maybe not the amount of wins or sorry, the, 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 the losses aren't that very small, but they do have important wins against teams that have, that have also um, played really well. Right. So maybe they're getting a few more common opponents than other teams are at this point, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of how they're getting there. Um, but that's very interesting though. I think, I think the important conversation is understanding why these teams are ranked where they are early on in the season. Um, any other surprise, any other, any other ones you want to touch on? We can hit D3 real quick because I think Christopher Newport on the D on the men's side was, um, was second number one. Or were they number one? Christopher yep. Newport was. Yep. I guess. Okay. For some reason Gilford. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. So Christopher Newport, number one, and then Methodist Guilford and Marie Wittenberg after a 47 shot win. <laughs> Redlands, William at Piedmont. And to, to me, again, that's kind of the usual suspects. Like that's, that's kind of what I would expect. Um, yeah. I, I think you said maybe except for Christopher Newport based on last year, but with the surge of Alex Price and maybe, you know, some better players behind that as well. Like that's kind of what we expected. And then kind of on the women's side, you get the, get the Cal- California schools, you know, which I kind of expected as well. You get uh red Redlands, George Fox, Claremont, and then you get center Washington, Washington, St. Louis, Washington, and Lee, St. Kate, St. Kate's, Illinois, Wesleyan, Carnegie Mellon. I said it right this week, Texas at Dallas. So to, to me, no surprises really on the D3 side from just from an eye test standpoint of who we kind of, again, I'm not going to argue between who should be one and two um, as much as I would say, Hey, you know, this is probably what I'm thinking from a top, t- top 10 standpoint. So, um, so yeah, thought it was a good, good first week of rankings. We'll continue to get questions about why teams are not ranked where they think they should be, but wanted to discuss it just a little bit. gentlemen we'll do best thing you saw this week so anything you saw this week i guess since i broke the rule a couple weeks ago you're more than welcome to say something you may be able to see coming up shortly um who who wants to go first i was gonna say i like the title of this because it always does change every week change it's whatever Um, best thing you best thing you might see right i'm excited to go to texas this weekend okay um get to see my own match play in person finally you guys have been traveling uh, past couple weekends, so it's nice to finally also get out there and get. Yeah, to see I'm another done for the fall line. already. That's I right. I'm already, I'm already done. Yeah, Ian's, Ian's um, done for the fall. Wow, Houston Oaks. More. You're going to Houston Oaks, right? For yeah. that's a great club. It's that's it's, what I hear. Awesome. Everybody says yeah. they they really take care of you down there. I think oh, maybe yeah. where where you stay is like really awesome uh-huh. too. So yeah, so it'll be it'll be a good. It's in the middle of nowhere, but you dealt with that with Whispering Pines last year. Sure so did. it's yeah, it's it's no <laughs> different. It's just. Just on the opposite side of downtown Houston, just northwest now instead of southeast wherever you were. But um, no, that's that's cool. You're you'll it, match play is fun, man. Match play is fun. Yeah, I know it's um, exciting. Yeah. Ian, you got anything? Um, I'm I like being on the road, but I've it's been a long like three out of four weeks for me. So I'm excited yeah, to yeah. kind of just be home for a little bit and kind of relax and not have to like pack up and leave and pack up and leave so that is i guess the best thing i'm going to experience is getting to just kind of be at home for the weekend so that'll be fun but it's been it's been a fun stretch for sure but it's uh it's a lot in a little bit of time similar to what we do in the spring with conference and national championships so yeah uh but yeah that that's uh it'll be a nice chill weekend for me i'm sure you're excited as well to get home so yeah i was gonna say i'm I'm just gonna piggyback right off of yours (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i I haven't you know I've, i've been to the, the last two weeks uh traveling you know it's a blessings and a 
literally 48 hours home, I think, and then leaving to to uh, to Seminole here, which both events awesome. Um, but yeah, get getting the the texts and videos from my wife for the different things that that the <laughs> kids are doing definitely always makes you want to go home, you know, because not that I'm missing things, but it's like those moments being home for those moments are fun. You know, when, like I got a video the other day, they, they went on a boat and Jax was throwing goldfish <laughs> off the, off the boat, trying to feed some seagulls. <laughs> and it's like, you know, those are the stuff, those are the things that are just really cool to, to, to see in person and be a part of. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited to get home. The best thing I saw this week was probably the things my wife has sent me about their, their fun and their travels at home. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm excited to be back in person to go, terrorize the world with my little guy and then and then and then my baby girl uh cammy so nice Cute. that's all i got yeah i know right good old family times warms your heart warms your heart absolutely <laughs> well cool we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this week uh appreciate you all for listening to this week's episode of the golf stat podcast if you've been listening for this long might as well go ahead and hit that follow button we'll talk to you next week peace